Hello ladies and welcome to the Amazing Bible Dot Book Club. I'm Julie Callio, your host, and thanks for tuning in with me as we walk through the Bible together. If you want to contact me, you can do that at theab.bc.pc at gmail.com. Well, today's lesson, we are looking at chapters 13 through 22 at the disbursement of the land, which covers 40% of the book. This is a big deal. It's huge to the Israelites because this fulfills the promise that was made to their first patriarch, Abraham, and then passed down to Isaac and then Jacob. And as a reminder, Jacob's name gets changed to Israel. Israel had 12 sons from four women, and it is these 12 sons that we have the 12 tribes of Israel. Now, one of the sons, Joseph, the one that God brought to Egypt to prepare them all for the famine that would be coming, well, Joseph had two sons while in Egypt, Ephraim and Manasseh. Jacob blessed both of Joseph's sons as if they were his own sons. Then we add to that Levi, whose line became the priests, and they were not given a section of the land because the Lord was their inheritance. So the 12 tribes of Israel who received land were from Leah, that unloved wife, was Judah, Issachar, Zebulun, Reuben, and Simeon. From Rachel, the loved wife, in place of Joseph, it was Ephraim and Manasseh and then Benjamin. From the handmaid Bilhah was Naphtali and Dan, and from the handmaid of Zilpah was Asher and Gad. In chapter 13, it starts with Joshua being old and stricken in years, and there still remains very much land to possess. And then the parts that have not been taken are listed. God then directs Joshua that it is time to go ahead and divide the land with the remaining nine and a half tribes that had not yet received land. Chapter 13 reminds us that on the east side of the Jordan River, Reuben, Gad, and half of the tribe of Manasseh had received their portion already. During this section, it's interesting that in verse 22, Balaam, son of Beor, the soothsayer, was slain during this time. This was the story of how King Balak hired him to curse Israel, but God would not allow him to. Instead, he kept blessing them. But what Balaam did do was tell King Balak that if they intermarry, then the Israelites would fall into idolatry and of other gods, and that would make them fall as a nation. This did happen, which brought a plague on Israel called the Plague of Peor. This is found in Numbers chapter 25 verses 1 through 8. And the story of Balaam is found in chapters 22 through 24 of Numbers. Well, chapter 14 explains that the land was divided by lots like rolling of dice with the leadership of Joshua and Eleazar the priest. He was the son of Aaron the priest. And all of this was commanded by Moses. Then chapter 14 talks about Caleb's share. Caleb and Joshua, they were the two spies the very first time, 45 years ago, who believed God and knew that Israel could take the land. Caleb wandered with the people for the 40 years, and now that the land is being distributed, Moses had promised that he would receive an inheritance. He received the town, which is on the Mount of Hebron, which was in the land of Judah. 
Something interesting to note is that Caleb was not a native Israelite, but he was from the Zenizzites, and they are related to Esau. Because of Caleb's faith in the God of the Israelites, he was brought into the tribe of Judah. One thing that has been so clear to me throughout this reading of the Old Testament is that over and over and over again, we see God's kindness to the stranger and the sojourner among them because they are strangers in the land of Egypt. Then to add to that, the name Hebrew may mean not from here. So God has his arms open to anyone who is willing to come to him and to follow his ways. We see that in Caleb, and then we also will see that in Rahab. The story continues with Judah's share. There we see how a daughter asks for a share of land. One thing to notice when there are lists like this in these next few chapters is what is out of the ordinary or what breaks the flow of the list. At the end of chapter 15, we see that Judah did not drive out the Jebusites who lived in Jerusalem. They lived with them until this day of the writing of this book. Chapter 16 in Ephraim and Manasseh shares, which are on the west side of the Jordan. In verse 10, it says they did not drive out the Canaanites and the Canaanites served them. In chapter 17, One family of Manasseh only had five daughters, and they were allowed to inherit land. But verses 12 and 13 said, They did not drive out the Canaanites, but they served Israel. This becomes a big deal as we continue reading in the Old Testament. Some of Manasseh complained that they received too little land, and Joshua told them to cut down the trees and to continue driving out the Canaanites, and then they would have enough. Now, if you remember that Moses had said with regards to the tabernacle of the congregation, that it will be set where the Lord declares. Well, in chapter 18, we see that the tabernacle was placed in Shiloh, which is about the middle of the land on the west side of the Jordan River. From there, Joshua sent men to map out the rest of the land. And when they came back, they cast lots to see who would get which parcel of land. Benjamin got a share. Simeon's share was within Judah's land. Zebulun, Issachar, Asher, Naphtali, and Dan were all given their parts. Then the end of chapter 19 verse 49 says, When they had made an end of dividing the land of inheritance, the children of Israel gave an inheritance to Joshua the son of Nun, and he received Timnasserah, which was on Mount Ephraim. So they made an end of dividing the country, it says. And then in chapters 20 and 21, we see the cities of refuge, which are for people who accidentally kill someone and they can stay there safely until trial. If they leave, however, the avenger of blood can kill them. Again, life for life. There are six cities of refuge, three on each side of the river. These were cities that the Levites had. They also had 42 other cities, so they made it a total of 48 cities. And the suburbs around the city they were also allowed to have for their animals and livestock. These cities were spread in every tribe. And when the priests were not serving in Shiloh at the tabernacle, then they were at home in their cities and they served the people and taught them the ways of God. 
Verse 43 of chapter 1 says, And the Lord gave unto Israel all the land which he swore to give to their fathers, and they possessed it and dwelt therein. Then verse 44, And the Lord gave them rest around them. God kept his word. Now that the people had rest, the eastern tribes were then sent home. And in verse 5 and 6, Joshua tells them to heed God's word and to do his commands and love the Lord your God and walk in his ways and keep his commandments and cleave to him with all of your heart and soul. And then Joshua blessed them. Then, just before these two and a half tribes cross over the Jordan River to enter their homes, they make a big altar by the Jordan River so that they could see it. The children of Israel were outraged because they have only one place to worship, and that is now at Shiloh, at the tabernacle. Plus, these tribes were not priests. Only the Levites were to do that. So the west side gathered at Shiloh to make war with their brothers. Then they went to meet them. They mentioned the plague of Peor, which happened because of worship of false gods. Again, this is found in Numbers 25 verses 1 through 8. And then they mentioned Achan, who took loot from God. This story is found in Joshua chapter 7. Thankfully, Phinehas, the son of Eleazar the priest, stopped them and asked the eastern tribes, why did you do this? And they explained that they feared since the Jordan River separated them, that the next generation may fall away. And so they built it not to make burnt offerings and not for a sacrifice, but like the standing stones, they were to be a witness between both sides that the Lord is their God. This pleased Phineas and the people and both sides were at peace. Another thing that we see that becomes an issue for Israel is that there is only one central worship place. And now that the tabernacle is no longer in the center of their dwelling, but rather with all of the land they have, they now will need to travel to get to Shiloh. This becomes a problem for them. For many, this will be at least a day's journey. We think it's bad when we have to drive and it takes us 20 minutes to get to church. One thing I want us to ponder today, ladies, is that we see that Joshua was old and the majority of the land was taken. Yet in almost every tribe, there was a portion that the specific tribe did not conquer. As Joshua said to Ephraim, if you would cut down the trees and drive out the enemy, you would have enough. God gave it to you. In other words, if you would fulfill your destiny you would have enough. As a Christian, Jesus fought the battle. He said on the cross, it is finished. The battle has been won. Yet so many Christians live in defeat instead of taking captive the enemy and living in victory. As a Christian, we have been brought to the fullness in Christ. The New Testament book Colossians in chapter 2 verses 9 through 10a, it says, For in him, in Jesus, dwells all the fullness of God bodily. And you, me, we are complete in him. Ladies, what battles do we need the courage to face? What strongholds 
or sins are weighing us down. There's a prayer that I really like and I have for years, and it's called the serenity prayer. And it goes like this, God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change. I cannot change other people. Some human circumstances I cannot change. But then it says, and God grant me courage to change the things I can. I can change me. I can change my behaviors. I can change my thoughts and what I think about. I can change what I watch on television. I can change the fact if I'm not reading the Bible that I can read the Bible. And as we change our minds, then we can also change our actions. And then the prayer says, and the wisdom to know the difference. So let me say it all together. God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Ask God what is your first step, and then have the courage to do it. Remember, be strong and courageous, for the Lord your God is with you when our eyes are upon him, when we love him with all of our heart and soul, when our focus is on Christ. So today, ladies, if you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts and don't be overcome by the enemy. Instead, let's be women who obey and are victorious. Thanks so much for taking time out of your busy schedules to listen today. And until next time.